Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Turn and Talk podcast. We have an exciting guest that we bring to you today. He's created something special for educators, and we love to hear more about it. And I'm excited to share uh, what he's brought uh, for educators uh, today with you. So without further ado, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me, Jay. Well, thank you for being here, and uh, we'll love to always start with the story of the person we're interviewing, so feel free to share a little bit about how you got involved in education. Absolutely. So it all starts with my fourth grade teacher. Her name is Ms. Wills. She was an amazing teacher. Um, she was also the first black teacher and actually the only black teacher I had in my uh, primary education. And she would just made everything relevant to me, whatever I was interested in, she was interested in. And that really taught me to love school and love learning. Uh, I went on to an Ivy League school, and I saw a lot of underrepresentation there. Um, I grew up in a very integrated area, both racially and socioeconomically. Economically, then I went to the Ivy League school. I didn't see that representation. And then similarly, when I went to work on in tech, I worked for a number of software companies. And again, there was a lot of underrepresentation. And I did not understand why, because you know I knew smart people uh, from all races and all backgrounds, but I just didn't see them in college and they didn't see them in my professional career. So I worked as a software engineer and I was fortunate to kind of fall into working at an educational startup and we were just beginning and we grew very, very fast. And now most schools who use Chrome use as well. After that, I had the opportunity to take some time and travel and I visited over 20 countries. And what I learned was education is really what separates societies, quite honestly, you know, where, where you have good education, you have good opportunities and you don't have the same challenges um, that they have in other countries. So I really understood that my mission you know, was to help improve the educational availability for as many people as I can while I'm alive in this body. And that is, you know, my calling. I really feel that's why I'm here and how many wonderful things happen through education. So when I came back, it was the beginning of 2020 and I was working with a number of school districts in South Los Angeles uh, as a consultant. And I saw this huge disparity between the student population and their backgrounds and the teaching population and their backgrounds. And again, I couldn't really understand why. Well, when schools closed and we went to remote learning, the areas where I was working, which were lower socioeconomic and primarily with black and brown students, their quality of remote learning was very, very poor, in some instances not existent. And where I was living, which was in Santa Monica, which is much higher socioeconomic status, these students were thriving and they were doing much better. Um, so I didn't understand why this gap existed. In 2020, it didn't make sense when we have so much technology available. And so I decided to do something about it. Um, I looked at what students were doing and they watch videos. Uh, studies show that they were watching videos between nine to 15 hours every single day. And now those numbers are probably more like 12 to 18 hours every single day that students are watching videos and playing games on their phone. So I thought that if we could make short format educational videos, it would really help these underserved students uh, who are primarily black and brown or from lower socioeconomic classes where they weren't getting the same quality of instruction 
in the remote learning experience. And that is exactly how I came up with the concept for Soul Academy to be the hub of teacher generated content for any teacher who's using pre-recorded videos, whether it's for a flipped classroom, self-paced learning, asynchronous instruction. It's a super easy way for you to put your videos somewhere that's integrated with Google Classroom so that you could find videos in seconds and share them most importantly with your students, but also with students who don't have access or don't have the fortune to have you as their teacher. That sounds fantastic. I have a lot of ideas and, and thoughts and questions as you described this uh, Soul Academy uh, web application. And feel free to correct me if I'm saying anything incorrectly. Um, what is the difference between Soul Academy and so many other uh video channels that teachers now have available to them. I teachers been using Khan Academy for a long time, for example. Um, there's teacher tube, um, there's YouTube, of course. So what sets apart uh, this platform that you've created? Absolutely. Great question. So what sets us apart is I've spent basically six years talking to teachers. And the number one thing that they want is something that's easy to use. So that is the focus. There's a lot of technology out there, but quite honestly, a lot of people are teched out and they don't want to learn another complicated platform. That's why we set out to make this the simplest platform to use for educational videos. There's a lot of teachers who have been left out. Typically, they tend to be in the age 50 and up community by the rise of, of technology in the classroom. Our product is age and technical ability inclusive. No matter how old or young you think you are, you can use it. Or no matter if you think you're an expert in technology or just a novice, you can use it. That's the first thing. The second thing is it's designed to be really fast. Teachers don't have time to search through YouTube to find the video that they want. They should be able to go somewhere and find exactly what they want in a matter of just a few seconds. That's why our search is super fast and everything is neatly organized by the grade level, the subject, and the topic. So they can take the five or 10 hours they're spending every week looking for content and reduce that to just a few minutes. And then the third thing is it's free. Uh, we want to make sure that equity is available for all the content that you see, because of course, that's kind of why we started this. So it's a free tool. It's super easy to use. It's very fast and responsive. That's the big difference. But the most important thing, which separates us from YouTube and Khan Academy, is students want to see their teacher. They want to see a real person that they know that they can ask questions to right? It's great to learn from a stranger, but there's nothing like the relationship that you have with your teacher. There's no replacement for the relationship that I had with my fourth grade teacher, Miss Wills. And that will never come from some stranger on the internet. So it's all about the teacher and connecting them in a way that students are already doing and making that content accessible to your students in your class. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds also like equity has been at the heart of what you are trying to accomplish and achieve with this tool. Um, how does it, it sounds like also, you know, you're clearly you've created a free resource. So clearly uh, that supports equity work, um, but access is one thing and then quality is another. So can you share a little bit more about, you know, what, what do we find um, as far as the quality of videos is concerned on, on the, on the website 
and how, if anything, is done to ensure uh, a level of quality so people who do have access to this tool are also accessing something that is high quality? Great question. So when it comes to quality, this is our take. We put a lot of faith and a lot of trust in educators. I've been speaking with probably over three or 400 educators since I started this project. And I'll tell you, they are brilliant people and very capable. And I put my trust in them. I know that they're going to put up content that reflects them well, because they don't want to like lower their brand. They're not going to put junk out there. And so we put a lot of faith that they're going to do you know, their best work and put that work out there because they're going to be using it with their class. That said, we do have the ability to allow the community to basically regulate what shows on the site. So the videos that are watched more, they get shown first. The videos that are are not watched, they get shown least. And we can tell right away that the videos that people aren't watching are probably lower quality. Now, if something is inappropriate and shouldn't be on the site, In that instance, this community has the ability to report that to us and we take it down right away. And when it comes to being standards aligned and credentials, this is the area where we do vet content. And again, we lean on our community. So what we've done is established basically a council in different areas to make sure that when a video is marked as aligned to a specific standard like Common Core or the Teak standards in Texas, that the content really is valid and it is, is allowed to be marked as such. And also if people claim that they have certain credentials, uh, we do validate in those instances before they're allowed to show them on the site. But we do want to allow the freedom of creative expression. I think a lot of teachers feel like they can't teach the topics that they want, or they can't teach the way they want, or they can't really express themselves because of the standards and things that are happening in their school, in their district, or in the state. And we want to be that creative outlet. So we're always going to err to the side of supporting that creativity, that individuality, and try not to be restrictive because there's plenty of restrictions out there and we want to be the freedom platform. Do you feel that video and video-based education is the future or the present? (laughs) I was going to say it's the present. I mean, if you speak with any high school student and ask them how much time they're spending consuming videos, it's astronomical. It blows your mind. Students are staying up sometimes all night long watching videos, right? They show up to work or (laughs) show up to school the next day and they're exhausted uh, because they've been on their phone watching videos all night long. So the rest of the world gets this. I mean, TikTok is by far the most utilized app in the ages of, you know, 12 to 18 by an order of magnitude. And so it's staring us right in the face and we've just got to provide educational uh, resources for students to switch context to. See, this younger generation, they switch context extremely fast. They can go from playing a game to watching a video to doing their schoolwork in matter of just a few minutes, right? They can hop around and be very effective at it. And if you make education part of that mix, they will do it. They've told me, they've shown me with the data that when education is available in a short format video, they'll hop from doing their TikTok dance to learning about, you know, the um, periodic table or something like that. It's just, we've got to meet the students where they are. And that's why we encourage people to make short format videos that'll mix right in with the reels and the other videos that the students are watching. 
Well, that's one of the challenges with uh, video creation, you know, along with parents and families, teachers have also been grappling with over the last year and a half, how to make videos, how to make the best uh, kind of video with the shortest, shortest duration, with the best possible information uh, in a sticky way that students will then remember um, what, if any views uh, that you have on like what makes a good video and what recommendations you have for teachers when they're making videos. I love that. Yeah. So how do I know what content to make and how do I format it? And the answer is simple as this, grab your nearest teenager. I'll be quite honest with you. I don't know anywhere near as well as your low, as the closest 15 year old to you, what's going to do well on TikTok. It's a moving target. It's changing all the time. So you should really just collaborate with students who are doing it and ask them what they want to see. The best video editing tools, quite honestly, are on your cell phone already. They're Instagram, they're TikTok. There's another one called iShot and iMovie. These are great editing tools that are available to you for free. And the thing about videos is rarely do you know how they're going to perform until you put them out there. Ask anyone who is, you know, any of these creators who are now huge, they make videos all the time. They make lots of content and they put it out and sometimes they think it's going to do well and it's flat. And sometimes they think it's just, you know, a quick thing. We'll just put it out there. And those are the ones that get the most views. It's really hard to predict what's going to resonate with the audience, but it's really easy to predict what they won't watch, which is content that never makes it onto their screen. So that's why I encourage people to just post often and try different things. Go on the journey. You know, you're a novice now, but with every step, you're going to get better and you're never going to be perfect. And maybe you won't be as great as the, you know, the 16 year old star on TikTok, but you'll be meeting the students where they are. And that's what really matters. Just simply making the effort to recognize the students say, Hey, I appreciate the fact that you spent a lot of time watching videos. And so I'm going to make the effort to put my content in the format that you want can do more than even any amazing video, right? Just because it shows that you're on their side and you're trying to do your best to meet them. It's so interesting that all of a sudden teachers are content creators like that. That wasn't, I mean, teachers were always content creators, but not necessarily digital content creators. So that's where some of the a gap is in terms of developing proficiencies to effectively be able to do that for children right now. You've been talking to a lot of teachers, uh, obviously. So what what have you heard from teachers as their number one demand, request, um, challenge that they face uh, as they still try to come to terms with educating in this new sort of environment? Professional development. Right. When I built this tool, I thought it was going to be something for teachers to make videos for students, but overwhelmingly it's teachers making te videos for other teachers. It's how do I use this tool? How do I manage this classroom situation? How do I deal with this kind of administration? How do I communicate this to my school leadership? There's a huge market for teacher focused content. And the second thing is those parents as well. You know, parent engagement is so much higher than it was a year ago, which is great 
And so they're looking to help their child who's struggling in a subject like math or reading, but they're not teachers. So they don't know exactly what they're supposed to do or how to approach it or what resources. So there's a huge demand amongst the parent community to learn from teachers so that they can help their children do better in your class. Um, so those are two areas. The, the other thing is on the social and emotional side. You know, this uh, last year has been pretty challenging for pretty much everyone. And teachers are seeing it firsthand when students come back, you know, the, the impact, not just in their, in, with the students, but in themselves as well. And so just the need for wellness, for self-care, for social and emotional learning and all these sorts of things is, you know, so great compared to what it was just a year ago. Thanks. Um, I, I totally agree. And I can relate with that very much. Um, there's a feeling of uh, being alone and isolated. At the same time, there's uh, a plethora of tools and, and communities, digital communities that you can join online to also feel supported. But I 100% agree with, with what you have found uh, with regards to professional development and what what teachers kind of want. It feels to me like I have myself, for example, watched many such videos that have taught me how to use different tools and then I've tried them out. So I think that's that's 100% valid and really, really useful to have. Absolutely. Yes. That's what, if I, if I impart one thing on teachers is that you're not alone. If whatever you're feeling is fine and there are many, many other teachers who are going through the same thing, and a great way to get through it is to collaborate and work together. You don't have to be the only one to create content for your class. With a site like Soul Academy, you can get together with your colleagues in the department or even across the district or anywhere basically on the internet to make content, to split it up and say, hey, we have eight units to teach. There's four of us. Each of us make two videos for the different units, and now we've just cut our creation time down from eight each to two each, right? So work together. And yes, there's content on the site that is going to match what you're teaching. And you can feel free to use those videos in your class. And the difference is these aren't videos created by some corporate team in some office somewhere. These are videos that are created by teachers just like you in the same classrooms, in the same states, in the same districts, teaching to the same standards. You know, it's real stuff. It's teacher-generated content. And I think this is really what education is asking for. You know, they, they need more access. They need more faces. So a teacher told me sometimes a student just wants to hear a different voice, right? Uh, and you never know because as soon as you can engage that student, all of a sudden their trajectory in your class and even, even in their academic career can take a drastic turn for the better. You know, I've had teachers tell me, you know, I, I use videos and 20% of my students, they were completely unengaged. As soon as I started making videos for them, now they are on top of it and they're motivated intrinsically to do better in school. So it doesn't have to work for every single student, but if it works for some and you can re-engage those who otherwise really weren't, wow, that's just such a great win for you. You know, we've talked about these these tools. I think it's just a great, great time to be alive as a teacher, it feels like, because you got all these cool tools um, that are, 
you know, at your fingertips, literally, to be able to use in your classrooms. And there's so much more opportunity now to actually reach kids than there ever was before, in my view. And uh, this tool that you're also sharing with us that you've created, it's just one more of these tools that we can use uh, to reach more kids. Um, zooming out a little bit and and thinking about just the educational landscape and how it's quickly changing and has had to change, um, what do you feel are uh, the most pressing issues, challenges that our education system is facing right now? And what role is, should technology play, if any, to support those challenges or mitigate them? Absolutely. I think, you know, the most important question that I've heard, and this was coming from a group of 16-year-olds, uh, or I guess they were 14 to 16-year-olds I spoke with last week, is simply asking the kids how they're doing and making sure that their needs are addressed, that they're in a state where they can't even think about learning, because there's been a lot of talk about the learning slide and how to address that. But we really got to consider that these are human beings and they've been through a lot these last 12 months going into the fall will be 18 months. And so we've really got to consider everything that's going on in their lives and that there might be something that's preventing them from learning. And if we can address that, their learning might, you know, greatly accelerate that. That's the first thing. The second thing is, yes, there is a learning slide. And so you've got to think about how you can become more efficient with your time and with the student's time. You can't teach live 24 hours a day, but a student can watch you on video 24 hours per day, right? A student can access your history of lessons if you make it available for them. Maybe they just didn't they couldn't concentrate for whatever reason last Thursday. And if they have access to the recording, they can go back and watch it. But if not, they're just missed that part. So allow them to uh, mitigate the, the times where they just weren't fully able to comprehend. And also give them some grace. Students told me that they need time to process things. So if you make a video available to them, they could watch it, they can stop, they can think about it, they can allow those concepts to sink in. And most importantly, they can watch it over and over and over again until the, con until the concept is really solidified in their understanding. Now that's why making these resources available is so impactful for the students. When you think about some of the challenges that that teachers might face that come with, you know, making videos and putting yourself out there, um, you know, what 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 do you think about those concerns that some teachers have now of making videos? For example, I have heard from teachers that one of the concerns about making videos and putting them out there is, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there to be scrutinized. Um, there is also a possibility of, you know, your lessons being viewed and then, you know, people, uh, even administrators might, might find those and that might affect how your performance on the job is evaluated. So, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Have you thought about that? Like, what is mm -hmm. uh, the view? Uh, what is your view on, you know, how like teachers videos are protected, for example? Absolutely. So the first thing is that fear of seeing yourself on camera and hearing yourself speak and being afraid to say something stu stupid. Guess what? 
everyone feels that way. Everyone you see on TV, everyone you see in the movies has felt the exact same way at some point. And it can be scary. And I appreciate that. I feel it all the time. And the only way to get over that fear is to start doing it and practicing. And eventually you get used to it. The thing is there's our students out there who are exactly like you were when you were their age. And they want to learn from you because they see themselves in you, like you're an older version of them. Or maybe you have some cultural connection to those students. And so by putting this content out there, you can help a child who you have no idea exists, but you can inspire them. And isn't that worth overcoming that fear? Now, when it comes to retaliatory actions, I have a real soft spot for that. And I truly do understand that. And we've just got to work with the people who are in that situation to help them understand the value of what we're doing. I'm trying to reach my students. I'm trying to engage students who are not engaged. I'm trying to be open and accepting for students who have been through a very challenging situation. And I want you to appreciate that. And I don't want to be judged or potentially be punished or have any kind of negative action because I'm trying to do my best in this job. And if you do feel like you're in a situation that could be retaliatory, then you know I would, I would say like, how can we address that before? Because this video thing is not going away. Students are not gonna watch less videos, right? They're only gonna watch more and more and more. So at some point, our schools are gonna have to encourage us making the content available in this format. And I feel, I feel really bad that a teacher would ever feel, you know, threatened or, or something like that. And I wish there was something that I can do. I'm open to any suggestions, but you know, we've just got to change the narrative and understand that you should be appreciated for what you do. And when people see you and you know, they aren't in your class, I think they're going to value the amazing work that you do. Uh, it, re it requires so much courage to, you know, create this type of content and, and put it out there for so many young people but to see, but also adults to see, you know, now families have access to the curriculum, which is a beautiful thing as well. Uh, and it, it brings certain insecurities possibly uh, on the fore as well. So thank you for sharing those words. It made me think about what the role of school leaders is now given that more and more video creation is happening and teachers are being encouraged to make more videos. Uh, what do you think is the role of a school principal right now as teachers are exploring these new ways of teaching lessons? You know, it, I think they've got to be open and receptive to providing flexible options. I think the days of saying we're only going to do one thing really ended in 2020. Now, teachers tell me there's 20% of my kids who only want to do online. There's 20% who cannot wait to get in school and only want to do in-school stuff. And the other 60% wants a mix of the two. And I think school leaderships really need to think about how to provide flexible options for people because that's what they've gotten used to. If some students want to learn via video, then we've got to empower that. If some want to do in-classroom instruction, we've got to empower that. If some want to do live instruction, but remotely, we've got to empower that. We've got to think of how we can engage everyone. 
um, and meet them where they are because yes, there's been a big learning slide. And I think being open and flexible is the best way of addressing that. I, I've heard talk of, you know, extending the school day, having students come to school on weekends, you know, extending the school year and getting rid of holidays and all this sort of stuff. I don't know how well that's going to be received, but can we be more efficient with the time that we have? Absolutely. And I think that should be the focus. Yeah. And, and it's a great time to be creative or, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's an opportunity. Yes. It comes from a sad and, um, uh, you know, a terrible sort of a situation that we all have found ourselves in, but it has created opportunities to be more creative and, and kind of along those veins, um, love to hear your thoughts on this last question that we usually always ask our participants because often uh, the perception of what our education system is like, at least in the United States, or how well it is performing as measured by student performance uh, on various things, but a lot of times only the test scores. Um, people seem to get this narrative that the education system is not successful. It's not working well. It's not doing enough. It's not doing a good job. Um, what do you think about that? Do you, you know, how, how's our education system doing in your view? Is there something wrong? Um, and if there are things that we need to grow in, what are some of those things that we need to make better? I would say, you know, trying to educate 55 million students from all walks of life, from different backgrounds is a monumental task. And I think we do it overall extremely well. I think that we tend to focus on the negative and what's not working, but having seen the quality of education in other countries, including first world countries, I think our education quality is very high. If I were to make one suggestion, it would be to listen to our students, look at what they're doing and meet them where they are. If you, uh, teachers tell me this all the time, if you want to help a student, understand that student, right? Understand what motivates them, understand what excites them, understand what they want to, mo what they want to learn and provide that. So things like project-based learning and self-paced learning, I think that's really the, the movement that we need to get behind if we want to improve where the education system is. And I think optimism is really what we all need right now. We've all been through plenty of the opposite. And now is the time to think of everything that we've been through as a learning opportunity. Now we're exposed to new tools, to new mindsets, to new ways of learning, to new ways of engaging students that we didn't have just 12 months ago. We have a, a new foundation upon which we can lay a great, beautiful, glorious building that did not exist just 12 months ago and carry that optimism with you into every classroom, into all the school leadership, into the district leadership, because we have a chance to break away from everything that was not working before and rebuild in its place things that do work and meet the needs of everyone in the education system. And we did not have that 12 months ago. So I'm very appreciative of this opportunity. And I want to do my best to make sure that we're bringing that mentality um, to, to every classroom. Thank you. And then um, our last question is, if you could wave a magic wand to strengthen or do something different, with our school system or our education system overnight, you have free reign and all the power. Uh, what 
is something that you would change, add, remove? Communication, communication, communication. I think it's by far the most important thing. I would add a direct feedback mechanism between the students and the teachers, the students and, and school leadership, between the teachers and the students, teachers and the school leadership, school leadership. Just communication could really solve so many problems. You know, I think if, if all the parents knew what was going on in the classroom, like they kind of found out when schools closed now, now parents are really engaged and we've just got to really improve that communication from all levels and take what people ask into serious consideration. You know, if the teachers really want something, we've got to consider it. If the students really want something, we've got to consider it. I think communication really solves all problems. Thank you so much. Um, really appreciated having you and hearing your thoughts. And thank you also for sharing your resource with us. I'm really looking forward to checking it out. Um, and thank you for putting the time and the effort to creating something that sounds like could be really, really effective for a lot of kids and a lot of teachers also. Uh, thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you for spending this time with me and asking great questions. And to anyone listening, the website is Soul Academy. That's S-O-L-C-A-D-E-M-Y.com. And we're at Soul Academy on all social platforms. And it stands for Simple Online Learning. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you.